You know, last week I started talking about God the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to continue on that today. Because this series about being fully alive, where we come to uh, the knowledge of this is that we wanted to declare that when Jesus resurrected from the dead, He just didn't become barely alive. He didn't just go from being dead to having a pulse and being medically declared alive again where he's kind of like in the semi-coma state. No, he become fully alive. He become living and, and, and moving and breathing and conversating. And, but the Bible is very clear. Because he lives, we can live. Amen? And I want you to get into perspective of what Jesus was talking about to his apostles and disciples. He has spent three and a half years with these men. And... They're trying to wrap their head around. He keeps telling them that the end is coming. And he starts in John 14, the same chapter that says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. A lot of times we quote that in Old King James where it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. And if I go, I'll go to prepare a place for you. In that same chapter, he tells them, It is really important for me to go away because if I go away, the Comforter will come. And He will not only be with you, but be in you. And so that means that when we got saved, we become the dwelling place, the tabernacle of God the Holy Spirit. That means that you are sitting next to somebody, if they are saved, that is now the dwelling place of the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So look at your neighbor and tell them, do you got the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and then he, he, he takes it and... And they must have got filled with the Holy Spirit right over there. They just kept on and on. And then he get, takes it another step. And you've got to remember in John 16 now, he says this. Now, these guys have left everything to be with him. They've left nets, boats, careers, houses. And they have followed him for three and a half years. And everything, the, the things that they have seen, the miracles, the breaking of bread to feed thousands, the raising of the dead, the healing of the blind and the lame, all of these things, they've been eyewitness of. And then Jesus really wipes them out by saying this, it is not only good for me to go away, but it is for your advantage that if I go away, the Holy Spirit will come. And then... He reiterates this in Acts chapter 1 by saying, Guys and ladies, don't do anything. Don't go do any part of ministry until you go back to Jerusalem and 120 of you get in an upper room and you don't do anything until you be endued and enabled and empowered by God the Holy Spirit. Because when that happens... The, 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 this new church, the birth of the church is going to explode and the world is going to be changed forever. So we really come to a grasp of understanding that God really wants us to be enabled and empowered and in fellowship with God the Holy Spirit. So with that said, will you join me in prayer? Father, today I ask you for the anointing power of that Holy Spirit 
the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that anointed Peter to stand on a balcony and declare for the very first time the power of the gospel with the resurrection of the dead. I ask you for the anointing to rest upon me that changes people's lives, not because of my ability to communicate, but because of the authority of your word in our lives. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... A.W. Tozer, I started last week's message with a quote from A.W. Tozer, and I'm going to read it again. It says, Many, we may as well face it, the whole level of our spirituality among us is low. We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus and things of the Spirit is all but gone. We have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord, and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God has told us about the importance of engaging God the Holy Spirit. And one of my favorite writers is Francis Chan, and he gives an analogy, and I used it last week, and just for a refresher, I want to bring everyone up to speed. Is He said, pretend that God the Holy Spirit has the gift of basketball. And I come to you as a friend of mine and I say, you won't believe it. I have been praying and seeking the enablement of the Holy Spirit. And I have received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And He has blessed me with the gift of basketball. Then you would initially want to see the difference and the change on the basketball court. You would want me to be enabled to dribble better, shoot uh, better, jump higher, run faster, because now I'm not doing it in my own strength, but now I am doing it enabled by the supernatural power of God. See, but yet when we get saved, sometimes we want to hold on to some of the baggage that prevents us from really getting changed. Because when we get saved, not only did we get qualified to go to heaven, but now we become the dwelling place of God, the Holy Spirit. And now it is important for us to start demonstrating that transformation. And most of the time, it is at this point in time, especially in my upbringing of being Pentecostal, in my upbringing, that is where we immediately run to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like the gift of wisdom, knowledge, interpretation, tongues, prophecy. And, but you know what? Really, instead of running to the list of gifts, we really should run run to the, gift, uh, the list of fruit. Because isn't that the statement in Christianity? Let's judge a tree by the fruit it bears, right? And yet when you say you got saved, that means that you are to supernaturally love more than you could love before you got saved. That means that love, joy, and peace. What if we could sell that stuff? You know, what if we just, you know, I, I, I brought a few props today. What if we could sell... Do doTERRA. Jackie supplies me with a lot of these things. And what if we could just, how much would a bottle of this cost if it was love? What would you pay if you didn't have love but you could buy it in a bottle? I'm, I, I got cheer right now. I bought cheer. Well actually somebody bought it for me. And the staff put this in my office because they want me to be cheerful. They literally do. They put it in a little dispenser and let it go through the office so I could find some cheer. And 
I only got through the point of love last week because love is so important to us because the Bible tells us this, you have to love God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That means every fiber of your being has to be in love with God. That means that if God said you have to choose one thing on earth that you love most, we better say Him. Why? Is God egotistical? Is He just bearing down on us by threatening us that says, if you love, don't love me, I'm going to send you to eternal fire forever. That doesn't sound too loving to me. No, He's not demanding our allegiance because He's God. He's doing it for our benefit. Don't you know that when God puts something in place, it is not to keep you from the best, but it's to provide you access to the best. You say, well, do tell, Pastor. See, when you learn how to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, then it allows you to have an example and evidence of a relationship that is going to prepare you for your future love relationships. Now, since this is Mother's Day, let me try this out. It worked pretty good in first service. Let me try you ladies here. How many of you uh, ladies in this house have either been married or are currently married now? Say amen. amen. And how many of you are married to a perfect man? Yeah. That was Michelle. Holy smoke. <laughs> and we had one in the back. Bruce said, I got one here. No, uh, uh, that's why I keep trying to tell Michelle I'm perfect, but I am not. <laughs> and you know what? Because all of us fall short. And when we have a love relationship that is committed to every fiber of our being, learning how to love God, it puts us in a fellowship with God that allows us the evidence and the experience of having a love that we cannot manufacture in our own flesh called unconditional because in our love relationship with God, He never fails. But we do. And it teaches us how to forgive those that hurt us. And forgive those that, that uh, you know, wound us. And for eight, 17 years now, I've been pastoring a congregation in southwest Florida. And most of the time I say this in the office during counseling, but here it is from the pulpit. Did you realize pain comes in two, in two ways? Intentional and unintentional. And you know what? There's no way in the world that my thumb can tell my brain quick enough that I didn't mean to hit it with a hammer. And so that means unintentional pain really still really hurts. But that's the kind of pain that we experience most of the time with the people that we love. They don't intentionally wake up and say, I'm going to hurt them today. It's mostly unintentional. And when we have a relationship with God that is based on love, it allows us to start loving. And when I love God with all of my heart, it prepared me to be a good spouse because now I've learned through this relationship how God loves me to now learn how to love my wife. And then it prepares me for love for my children. It allows me to learn how to expand my heart to a greater capacity of love that it doesn't just have to be for one person, but now we have a family that I'm allowed to love them with all of my heart too. But you know what? Most of the time in this love thing, we can do most of the things that we want to do in love with our flesh until you get to this book. See, that's why we need the Holy Spirit when it comes to love. Because this book says to love your enemy. See, that's the only way I can do that is by the Holy Spirit. 
How many of you battle with your flesh too when somebody does you wrong and you get the spirit of punch them in the mouth? <laughs> am, I, am I just alone? I, I get that all the time. It's like judo chop them. But God the Holy Spirit says no, love them because people are watching. And I got into an environment this week that I really enjoyed the environment because it rekindled some relationships with people that not only hurt me, but I probably hurt them. And I got into an environment where I come into a restaurant and, and it was a big group and I come in on one end and I noticed that there was these people on the other end that we had some frustration with each other and I had every opportunity to stay obscure and to stay on the other side of the restaurant. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, why don't you go and do what, practice what you preached last week and love them with a supernatural love of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I found out that when I went to love them, they loved me back. And it rekindled a broken relationship that I now have fellowship again. See, not only does God want us to love differently. See, that's the stuff that makes the difference. That's the stuff that now the world can't understand that type of love. Because it really, for the world standard, it's a tit for tat. It's that if you do this to me, then I'm allowed to do this for, to you. It's an eye for an eye. But now this is this supernatural love that is enabled by God, the Holy Spirit, that allows us to go past those that do us wrong and still have the capacity to love them. But then, what if we got this oil? How much would you pay for love? How much would you pay for joy? You know, that's the second one on the list. Love, then joy. And wonder what joy really is. Joy, according to John Piper, says this. Joy is the good feeling in your soul produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see be the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. The dictionary said joy is an emotion of great delight caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying, keen pleasure or elation. Having joy, this is one of the most important parts. What if we could just buy from doTERRA joy and we could just put it on your head, just a little drop, and all of a sudden you become joyful? Well, Pastor, I don't, I, I, it's been so long since I've had joy. What is joy? Do you know joy is not just happiness? Because when the Bible starts talking about joy, it talks about the fullness of joy even in trials. It doesn't mean that every day is going my way. It doesn't mean that I don't face struggles and crisis. It's, I, I've said this before. I've struggled before with a battle with things like depression. And I go through cycles sometimes. But I've never been sad a day in my life. It's hard to really communicate because if you've ever gone through something like that, maybe some of you are like me and you've gone through something like that and you wake up in the morning and you feel like you put on a life jacket and it's really light but you know it's something but by the end of the day it feels like 500 pounds. And you think you would be sad. I've never, woke, I've never had a day where I woke up and said, man, I wish I was dead. Not me, man. I'm like, man, i got another day. wonder what I'm going to see today. Wonder what I'm going to experience today. Wonder what God's got to unfold for me today. Even in the midst of challenges and crisis. See, the joy isn't based upon my happiness. The joy is knowing I'm not alone. Listen to what Peter says about joy. 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for your salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice through now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested, so the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, and perishes through it is tested by fire, may be found in the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ through you. Have not, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with what? Joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Can you imagine that I can have a joy knowing that when I'm going through the trials of my life. And it seems like hell is coming against me and it seems like the crisis is crushing and the pressure is overwhelming that I can still, even though... How many of you can say amen so we can be real for the person looking for authenticity? Sometimes you may have joy in the outcome, but you don't enjoy the process. Matter of fact, I can probably say I hate the process a lot of the times. But I have to have joy knowing He knows best for me. That He is on my side and He is a God that is providing for me opportunity for the greatest. I, this is one of the things I shared with the, uh, the, the first service. is I have never, ever, because this next thing that I'm going to talk about is peace. And I have never been led by the Holy Spirit anywhere that I've regretted. Now I've kicked and screamed going. But once I got there I never regretted it. Because he has what's good for me. Here's the thing. How much would it cost for a little bit of true love? That's not based upon what you have or what you could give to somebody, but based on who you are. What if we just had a little bottle of joy that those that were finding themselves always struggling to find contentment and joy could finally for the first time rest in the power of their salvation and allow our minds, even though that we are going through the trials of our lives, to be secured to a place that allows us to have joy knowing we are not walking alone. I had a lady come to me after first service and said, Pastor, I know this sounds terrible, but I was diagnosed with cancer a, a, um, a couple of years ago, and you know it never stole my joy? She said, it stole my health for a while, but never my joy. Why? How, how, can that be, how can that even happen, God the Holy Spirit, that gives you the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory? So then we come to this last but not final point about what if this had peace in it? See, I'm good at loving people. I, I, I really have a gift, and, and it is supernaturally enabled to love those, even those that don't love me back. And I'm a pretty joyful person. I really look forward. I look life right in the eyes, and I really enjoy living. But this is the one I'm weak in. Peace. Peace by definition, says this. It's an absence of conflict or war. 
But you, do you know that the shalom of God has nothing to do with conflict or war? The peace of God is different than just the textbook peace because you are never going to live a day according to this book that is absent of conflict. Paul declares that in this book there's going to be a constant war going on between your flesh and the Spirit of God. And sometimes, I'm just going to be open and vulnerable, sometimes David Pleasant wins brief battles of my flesh. Where my flesh, I'm led by the Spirit of David. All, now, I have regretted that. Where, where I've been led by my flesh and I've just wanted to say something that I knew was wrong to say, but yet I wanted to win. And I would say it and I regretted everything that come after me saying it. I thought it would bring me contentment of like, they deserved it, but I said it and then boom. Peace. The shalom of God has more to do with completeness and wholeness than absence of conflict. Can you imagine having a peace that brings wholeness to who you are? Because the difference is, is that when you don't have peace, you're anxious. We have those in the medical community in our congregation, and I love them very much, and I love what they bring to the table. But do you know, folks, we've got an epidemic of something that we already have the cure of, that we're passing out pharmaceuticals to try to find peace. When it can be provided by God the Holy Spirit. You say, Amy, will you get ready to play me something real quick? Listen to this. See, I, I don't... I, did you realize that peace, the shalom of God, peace comes in three different categories? The first peace is peace with God. See, I can have the shalom or peace with God through the power of salvation according to Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now I've found peace with God. I, he's not no longer my enemy. I'm, I'm, his, I'm, I'm his son. You're a daughter. We have family relationship with the almighty God and it should bring us peace of knowing that we now have a supernatural relationship that cannot be broken. That's incredible. But then it goes further and says, not only can you have peace with God, but you can have the peace of God. And I want to preach for two minutes here because it's one of the more important of the pieces that we have provided for us through salvation. And it says this according to Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. You know how many people are trying to find peace with a pill? And I'm not telling you not to take your medication. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that so many people are running to the medicine cabinet trying to find a little bit of peace because they're anxious. And I struggle with that. I struggle with being anxious. I have a super man mentality. And if there's nobody to save, I'll create a crisis to save them. 
<laughs> that's not good, by the way. It's not good, but that's who I am, man. I'll just, because I, I. But the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. We have family members and friends, if not ourselves, that are suffering from real things called anxiety attacks. Because they are listening to the voice of the enemy more than the authority of God. Because it starts like this, because I've experienced them. It starts like it, nobody likes you. What? Yeah, nobody likes you. They're judging you. They're looking at you and seeing how you really are. And I start believing that stuff. And it makes me anxious. And I get, you know, I told you this is my, one of my areas of weakness. And I start to worry about what is everybody thinking about me? Am I making the right decision? Am I saying the right words? Am I doing the right thing? And then in that, if you just stop for a moment, you'll find the still small voice of an almighty God saying, Hey man, don't worry about what they're thinking, even if it's the truth. Ask me what I think about you. I will bring you peace. You are my son. If you strike out or hit a home run, you and me, we're together. You ever notice that if you are an anxious person, you don't get comfort, you don't find any type of, of um, help by what you're looking for more often than not is somebody as anxious as you. So you could be anxious together. Because what little bit of peace, this is where we settle for such a small thing. Because what we do is we get, we get a little ounce of peace knowing we're not the only ones crazy. Knowing that there's other people going through the same things we're going through. And we find a little bit of peace that is so shallow and it is so uh, below the standard. What you should be doing is looking for somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit. That is different than you. That allows them to speak into your life. When they see you starting the boat of your life, starting to be tossed and turned by the storms of life. You need somebody that has been in a storm before to say, Hey, the same one that spoke peace to you is the same one that spoke peace to storms and waves in the New Testament. And he says, be anxious. I want somebody, if you see me falling apart, being anxious, I need somebody to say, be anxious for nothing but with prayer and supplication. Find your hope and your peace of mind in your mind and in your heart through him. I need somebody that's going to come up and be different because that's what the Holy Spirit allows us to see. The Holy Spirit enables us not just to do the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to provide fruit of the Holy Spirit that allows the world to see there's something different about me and you. That means when all hell is breaking loose and you're the one that has heard you've got cancer. And they're looking for you, they're looking like, what, what's next? And they see a stableness in you. A, 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 a strength that arises that they know cannot be in your own, own flesh. And all of a sudden they say, what is it with you? Why aren't you falling apart? Because the one that has kept me together all of this time before now is still inside of me, providing me a peace that passes all understanding. A hope for hopeless situations. 
It protects my mind and my heart. And then the third piece is the eternal peace. Isaiah writes this about Jesus. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Listen to this. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. So as long as he's on the throne, and there's nothing that's going to take him from it. We sung about His train today. There's nothing that can conquer Him. As long as He's on the throne, I have a peace that can surpass all understanding. And what happens is when we get enabled with that kind of God, the Holy Spirit, the world takes note. How do you love when you've been hurt? How do you have a joy in the midst of this chaos? How do you have a peace? My friend, it's not about me. It's about Him. He provides me that. The truth is, most of you in this room, if I could sell a bottle of love, joy, or peace, you would buy it. And this says it's for free. You have access to supernatural love, joy, and peace.